0: Welcome to Basement Side Chats. I'm your host, Deeg, also known as Greg, in the real world. I'm here with my friends, uh, Will, aka Dubs, and Taylor, also known as Bad Luck. How are you, gentlemen?
1: Good, good. I am doing just good
0: today. Good to know. What are we here to talk about, gents?
1: Woohoo, destiny.
0: Yeah. Right. A crappy game. (laughs) Oh. Get started all positive
1: a game that people love but i don't know why
2: and there's nothing wrong with that that's that's just what you need to
0: realize man
1: they should share my boredom and bland feelings towards this game
0: yeah because everyone who doesn't agree with you doesn't know what they're doing basically right thank you
1: end of podcast
0: <laughs> that's all folks God, man, thanks for visiting us we today that
1: wrapped up so quickly so
0: efficient ahead.
1: figured it out fast, so what is there to talk about now?
0: (laughs) Well, what we might talk about is, so we in the first week that we actually sat down to talk, you, uh, Taylor, myself, and Matt, we talked about our uh, favorite and most disappointing games of the last decade, and a chunk of that we devoted to talking about Destiny. When we had that talk, um, I shared my thought that um, I really wanted to love Destiny, but at the end of the day, it kind of let me down. Um, and some reasons why we bantered it back and forth. Will, I know you since have gone back and uh, and listened to some of that. Um, Will, uh, before we get started, um, why don't you remind us, because the three of us, me, Matt, and Taylor, are not Destiny veterans at all. You, though, have a lot of experience in this game. Tell us a little bit about how you came to Destiny and what you're getting out of it today.
2: All right. Um, first of all, I was just a big fan of Bungie. Um... They did Halo, loved Halo, played Halo to death. Uh, I was just waiting for the next thing to come out. When they started previewing Destiny, I actually really thought, I was like, hey, this is really cool. Let's do this. So let's, let's do some of this. And they were talking about how they wanted to implement MMO style progressions and things like that. Um, and it really interested me. I started playing in the beta, beta of D1, um, and I've been playing ever since.
0: Oh, so nice and early.
2: Yeah, very early. Um, titan from the start, so that's 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 my class of choice. Um, and what yeah, a I've. What is the Titan? It's basically just Master Chief that can punch things really hard. I mean, if you want to, you know, get down to brass tacks, but it's basically um, the
0: warrior equivalent if you're used to fantasy RPGs.
2: Yeah, or you could equivalent uh, the equivalent could be like a tank. So yeah, um, yeah,
0: okay. So there's the the Titan, who's kind of like a warrior or a tank. There's the, the warlock, who's kind of like a caster, like a healer or a mage. And then there's the hunter, which is kind of like a, a rogue or a ranger kind of idea, right?
2: Yes, that would be a very good analogy there. Uh, Bungie didn't exactly capture those, those, specific, those specific classes, but that's, that was the mold they used, yes. Well, I interrupted you. What were you? You had more to say about your Bungie veteranship? Oh, I didn't have more to say about that, but just to answer his que- his secondary question, like what I get out of it now, um, now that we're in the Destiny 2 era, we're much further, this is, I, I can't even think, what were we, f- five, six years later, um, I have a good close clan that I talk to and play with, we do all the raids, when there's new content out, we jump into it, um, and but it's it's become kind of a community thing for me, and I know that um, Deej, you specifically talked about how you know you didn't feel that I feel it with my clan. I yeah, got I actually played out of it with that you guys yeah. for a little while. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did play with us a little bit, and I'm you know they're they're not the most fuzzy cuddly group, but you know I like playing with them. Uh, I think that you know in every community you can find assholes, but I have to say that when it comes down to a, the Destiny community as a whole, I think they're great. Uh, I get on Reddit a lot. I look in the forums there. And anytime there's some guy who posts like, hey, you know, I have trouble getting through this thing or I need, I have trouble going through the raid, half the comments on there are like, hey, what platform are you on? Let's see if my clan can get you through. Hey, what platform are you on? That over and over. And I like seeing that. And that's one reason why I've kind of stuck with it is that even when I didn't have a clan to play with, there were still people online like, hey, let's get you through this content. Let's play. So, yeah.
0: It seems to have, have successfully created a super duper active community, which is definitely a, a big mark in its favor. You were telling me, Will, when we were kind of just talking out this podcast this uh, potential idea, about um an event that recently happened in Destiny where the community came together to solve a big puzzle uh, relating to a big lore figure and an exotic weapon, right?
2: Yes. Um I guess we'll we'll go into some spoilers here. Spoilers for anybody who hasn't been following Destiny lately. Uh, they had the Corridors of Time mission. Uh, it just dropped you in there. You had rooms with symbols next to doors, and you had to pick a door. And if you picked the wrong door, you just kept on going in loops and loops and loops. Eventually, the community figured out that if you go through on a certain pattern, you'll get lore entries. If you go through on another pattern, you'll get an emblem. And from after that, the it evolved into this huge thing where. I I wish I'd read up on this a little bit more after our conversation because now I'm going to explain it very terribly live, but um, there were symbols underneath the floor in the final room. Like After you've navigated and gotten to the very end, you'd see symbols beneath the floor. The community took those symbols and created a whole new path and then figured out a 30-room, 30-symbol pattern that eventually got you to the very end, got you to the lore that was at the very end and also, you know, um uh, gave you the exotic um bastion, I believe. Yeah. So is which is Corridor uh,
1: time, Is that an allusion to Chrono Trigger or is that just coincidentally named?
2: Uh I didn't play Chrono Trigger, so I don't know. It knowing Bungie, it probably is. They like to reference a lot of outside things. Um also while Corridors of Time was going on, they were posting stuff. There was like posts on the old marathon websites that corresponded with what was going on and like looked to give little hints about what was going on in the corridors of time so as a developer bungee they'll they'll go the extra mile to kind of give you these little hints sometimes it'd be nice if that translated into other parts of the game but you know you can only ask for so much go on oh you want me to talk more that I'm bad mouthing them a little bit? No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say the, yes, the biggest deal as a, as a as a Destiny fan, as a, the biggest deal is that they are always so close to greatness, and that's the frustrating part. They they do one thing right, and then they'll do two things wrong. You know, one step forward, two step back, um, and that just seems to be kind of an ongoing problem with them. Whether that's management or just I don't know lack of people lack of the right type of creative minds i don't know i don't know personally and i you know there's not a lot of blame going i don't see the blame a lot in the community but it, it destiny is always on the verge of greatness and that's so that's that's, that's a good way to describe it from
1: how i am yeah. playing it and i think greg would agree with that since he describes it as plastic yeah because yeah. it's a game it's clearly got the budget behind it because it, it it's a responsive shooter. It's a yes. beautiful shooter. It's yes. a great sounding shooter. The lore in single player is garbage, but despite all of what I can agree is very strong about it, there was just... There, there was nothing that made me want to continue playing beyond the five-hour campaign, and even that five-hour campaign, I was just doing it because I felt like I had to.
0: Well, Taylor... If I knew anything about you, you have an aversion to grinding. Yes or no?
1: Um, for the most part, yeah. It. I mean, I have to feel like it, Um. I don't know. I don't want to say has a purpose because it's video games. And ultimately, it doesn't ever have a purpose because it only remains in that game. But like I've been playing Sekiro that I keep talking about, and I'm 60 hours into that game. And I'm intentionally going everywhere and fighting every boss that I can find which there's no reason to do. It's just really fun.
0: You enjoy the game, you want more out of it.
1: Yeah. yeah. But
0: you would never uh, kill that boss over and over and over again if they had a 2% chance of dropping an item that you wanted.
2: Uh, no. Right. Okay, yeah. Then, you know, did did you play um, Borderlands at all and enjoy that? I played Borderlands 2 a lot,
1: but yeah. and I did enjoy it, but I think it's because, and this kind of goes into what you said earlier, I think it's because of who I played it with that I enjoyed it. That's a good possibility.
2: And you were I saying so the, the social aspect might not be in your the looter shooter just might not be in your wheelhouse. Is what I'm is what I'm thinking. <laughs> right. Well, also, Borderlands has a lot of um,
1: it has a lot going for it. It's it's humor is great, but yeah. it's also you know it's beautiful. It sounds great. The gameplay feels pretty. Yeah, Borderlands
0: good. Borderlands is a very easy to like single player game if you want to play it that way. Whereas Destiny, from that from the get from the get go, really says, "Hey, I'm I'm a I'm an MMO." I want you to, you know, to have incremental stat upgrades and power levels and weapon drops. I mean, there's weapon drops in, in um, Borderlands too, but the differences between the weapons is a lot more apparent in something like Borderlands than it is in like Destiny, yeah. where uh, for a new player, the uh, differences between an, an, an auto rifle and an SMG might be pretty hard to understand. Um, they're pretty subtle compared to this does weird floaty, explody things, and this does big zappy things, which you might get out of a Borderlands kind of weapon.
1: Right. I do remember being confused by the weapons in De- Not confused, but uh, the number's higher, so this means better. That's about all I could ever notice Yeah, from the weapons in Destiny.
0: Yeah, I think if I could kind of respond to what you were saying a few minutes ago, Taylor, about my impression of, of Destiny, uh, I did use the word plastic to describe it. Um, and the reason I used that word is because it's a good feeling, a good looking game that just feels like it's made out of something flimsy. Like, it creates a flimsy experience. Um, I you know, I like shooters. I have the the old, uh, I, I have the Team Fortress ca- Classic kind of uh, competitive scene in my history. But I also spent a lot of years playing games like World of Warcraft. So I really like um, RPGs like that that create uh, cool social experiences. And if I'm going to invest in a game like Destiny that's an MMO, I want to have cool social experiences. I want to have kind of loot that drives certain experiences in the game that make me want to group up with my clan, that make me want to coordinate with them, that make me want to set up my character in a certain way to complement someone else I play with. Um... And I want to get excited about the stuff that, that we're pursuing. So, like, if we're going after a certain item, or maybe there's a drop that's really hard to get. Um, a good example in World of Warcraft. Before I um, I quit. Um, after I went through all the first raid tier in the WoW Classic last fall, one of the items I never got was this really rare drop called Hand of Justice. Um, Hand of Justice is not um. It's not amazing because it's necessarily so great, but because it there's nothing else in the item slot that it's for that is really decent. So it has little competition and it, it's really it's really good for a long time in terms of the item progression. But in order to get it, you have to do this dinky little boss in this maze of a dungeon called Blackrock Depths. And it, the chance for it to drop is like 2%. So What ends up happening is you have groups of of players, so any melee class wants this item that are all grouping together to try to grind out this item. And because you don't want to have it drop and then go to someone else, you end up playing with your friends. Um, And that ends up being a community experience. You know, me and three other guys grinding out this weapon. And it can sound kind of horrendous, but that creates a story within that community. And it gives us something that we went through together that brings us closer together as humans. Um, and whether we get the item or not, that's the kind of experience I enjoy from an MMO. And I could never find that from Destiny.
2: Funny you mentioned that, because the way I found the clan that I'm with now actually came from a very similar experience. Um, Do tell. It was when... Yeah, it was when uh, the... <laughs> Uh, uh black it's not black hammer i keep on wanting to call it it's d1 it's d1 um counterpart the exotic sniper that came out um back man was this two years ago but um this exotic weapon as soon as i look up the name and i can remember it my god i can't believe i'm forgetting it this exotic weapon appeared out of nowhere one random friday it was a weekend event They had nothing on the schedule that said anything about it coming out. Whisper of the Worm, my goodness, if they would quit renaming stuff, I could remember what it's called. In D2, it's called Whisper of the Worm. It's a heavy, exotic sniper rifle. At the time, its perk, its like special perks were that if you get three headshots in a row, you get three bullets put right back into the mag without taking from your reserves. So,
0: um, Which basically lets you shoot indefinitely if you have a, a stable target like a raid boss
2: yeah this it came out with nothing, with no fanfare, no nothing. I didn't work on a Friday for some strange reason I, I completely forget now. Um, I stumbled upon it organically actually that uh every week there's a you know do do these items do these activities on a planet and I went to the planet, started doing these activities, I found this weird orb looking thing randomly, walked up to it and it said like go inside or enter one of those prompts go into it and i'm just warped into this big cave that i'm supposed to figure out how to go through it was a huge ass jumping puzzle then once you go through this huge ass jumping puzzle you bite you fight a bunch of hard enemies and then at the end of it all you have to fight three bosses and you have 20 minutes to do all this and there was no maps no strategy guides streamers were figuring this out and like trying to figure out the path so that you could optimize it and get through it in the quickest route possible i jumped into this cave had no idea what i was doing and had a blast actually because it was all new it, the the settings of it, it the sound the shading it's just everything the environmentals on it were just amazing and out of nowhere um you could still actually hit this up if you guys want to try and do it this next week yeah, I failed. Yeah, at, I to. failed at the attempt. Yeah, I failed at the attempt. Uh, jumped on the internet and went, "What the fuck did I just do?" And figured out that it was this whole thing. I was playing alone. There's no way I could do it. So later down the road during the day, I decided to do a raid. LFG a raid group. Just happened to have a couple of the guys from the clan. Told them about what happened with me with this. So when you say LFG
0: a raid group, what does that mean?
2: Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, looking for group. So there's tons of websites out there for Destiny, since it doesn't seem to have it on its own, where you could look for group and then find a group and then go do a raid in Destiny together.
0: And now this is a, so, an experience that you can't matchmake into.
2: Yeah. You, there's okay. no matchmaking. If you try and go into it alone, it will you'll just drop in there by yourself and you'll have to right. figure it out or do it or leave.
0: So this is one of the things I'll about Destiny them. that I found yeah. confusing when I was getting started is what stuff is match made. Like, there's a lot of PvP. It's all match made. There's strikes. There's match made. There's gambit. It's match made. Stuff where you, you you queue up and it finds a team for you. And there's stuff like this that's not. Why do you think Bungie decides to add matchmaking to, say, Crucible or to strikes, but not to something like this?
2: Because people are... Why, why is there no matchmaking for these things? Because people <laughs> are dumb. Uh, <laughs> plain and simple. Uh, the mechanics... Ha- for the raids and this higher level stuff is stuff you have to think about, stuff you have to actually, you know, put your brain into and actually be a functioning human to do to do. And people say all the time that they want matchmaking raid with raids with this higher end content. But at the same time, now that we're in this new kind of transition to what's happening right now in Destiny, this new like six person activity um like horde mode game type that they have every season, that that
0: has and that kind of Similar, started with Season of like, Opulence, right?
2: Yeah, it started with Season of Opulence. It has many raid-like mechanics, and there are still people who don't... I mean, either A, they just don't do it and let other people do the work for them, or B, they just don't know what to do. Yeah. And so, so I actually got to experience why.
0: the Season of Opulence six-man thing. It's called um, the Menagerie, right? Yes. So the Menagerie was something you could queue into, like we're talking about, it had raid light mechanics, which means stuff that was like being in a raid but less punishing. Um, yes. I think the menagerie specifically was set up so that um, you were incentivized to to do the do the mechanics well and defeat enemies rapidly. But if you didn't, you could still complete it and get a reward. It just would either be slower or or the reward would be less um well, less rewarding.
2: It's more of it's more of a time commitment thing. It's this this is the setup that they've continued on with. So every right. new six person activity they add each season, it's the same thing. If you can kill all your enemies, do all your objectives, you get done with it faster than if you oh, I screwed up, but it doesn't, you know, send you back out of the game and you have to go back in.
0: Yeah. And how odd that their seasonal content they would choose to embrace a matchmade experience rather than it's it's it sounds to me like it's kind of a half and half. Like we want matchmaking, which makes it so everyone can get into it and we want to make it so anyone can complete it but we also want it to be a little more hard a little bit raidy like so there's an incentive do you think mm-hmm. that that's a good model for content or do you think it just kind of is a master of none in terms of what it pulls off i think
2: at its best it's it's the fir- it was the latter it, you know it, it's it's like a great way of doing it and then at its worst it's master of none
0: yeah cuz it seems guessing... to me that it wouldn't sorry go ahead
2: Oh, no, that was fine. I was going to say Destiny has needed a play mode like that. It's kind of neat. It's needed a always around that you could play Horde mode, or at least I've felt this way. And now that we get them seasonal, it is nice that it's like, okay, and hey, every season. What's a Horde season, mode mean? Uh, horde mode is basically you're in an arena and enemies just come at you. So enemies are just going to come at you wave after wave. And after so many waves, you complete an objective and go on to the next thing. Um, And then. Sprinkled in there are some raid-like mechanics. Yeah, um,
0: Black Armory was a little bit yeah, like that is. too, right? Yeah,
2: it was uh, a little smaller scale, and that was fun at the time. But this, the six-person mode, is a little bit more because you know people people want that opportunity to like show off the crazy builds that they have with their armor, and you know see how long they can chain their super, or like throw in their new crazy exotic weapons and just blast a bunch of enemies at the same time. This mode gives you that and I think Destiny has always needed it, but it's I think that it still does need some tweaking. This it it is nice to have the we're not gonna fail this. Like if I jump into this activity, I'm not gonna spend 20 minutes and then at minute 19 we fail and I get no loot. Yeah. It's nice that, you know, there's some protections for you on that, but at the same time, it could be a little bit harder. Like I know there is a there's a hard mode. For each one of these activity for each one of these horde mode activities that is non match made, and I honestly, we like my clan, even though we're a clan that likes to play all the content, most of the guys in my clan haven't done that. Like, I haven't done one of those you know huh. unmatch made hard modes with anybody in my clan yet. Why, why do you think? Um, the majority of my clan is not interested in that particular mode. Um, my clan has a lot of tryhards, so we're like doing <laughs> like we're. We are day one in the raid trying to figure it out without any kind of help or, you know, as soon as the raid launches, we want to jump in and go and try and figure it out on our, on our own and get as far as we can. How I have a very tryhard clan. Plan. Um, we have like a solid eight to 10 that are regularly online all the time. And then there's probably like another 10 that float around will come in every so often. The... The problem with my clan is that it originated as a PlayStation clan and then it evolved into a PlayStation and PC clan. So the PlayStation side has a lot more members than the PC side.
1: Okay. I was just wondering if it was a clan in the sense of like 300 people join. But no, that sounds like what we had. Bungie Um, clans are limited to 100 people. We'll see. That's okay. That's funny that there's a limit through the game. But uh, So you said earlier that you found them because you needed help to get through a certain area. Um, um, do you remember like what the social experience was when they started helping you the first time? Like what did you guys talk about throughout that?
2: Uh, we were just talking about our days really. Like I said that I needed help getting the weapon and uh, one of the, you know, I just happened to find one of the main guys for, my, for this clan and they're like, oh yeah, we just ran all of our clan mates through it. They had just done it multiple times. So they were they're totally down to just be like, oh hey, let's let's get you this gun so you can have it so you can you know do all this crazy content because you know it's it, it is a loot game so they want to make you know they were helping me get my loot uh, and that's
0: sounds and just, very dungeon
2: So so Shit. you had a good social experience
1: was your first interaction with them? Yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's funny how all these games it really just cranks them up to another level for the experience when you're going through it with good conversation.
2: That's why I don't play
1: with you. I know. I'm (laughs) talking to me is the worst.
2: Oh boy. Yeah. But all my love
1: from Borderlands two came from just playing with my friends and talking about whatever throughout the day. It's, and it's just like when back in high school on the weekends, you go to a friend's house or something. And when you have conversations, none of you are really interfacing with each other you're all staring at the tv and talking to each other Mm -hmm. and that's kind of the same experience you have now because we're all just staring at our own monitors but we wouldn't look at each other anyways yeah and
2: And, we're just talking and i would i would dare to argue that would halo have had the impact that it had sticking with a bungee game Would Halo have had the same impact if it didn't have the split screen multiplayer? People bringing twenty Xboxes to somebody's house and hooking them all up and playing—like, would it have been as influential if it didn't have that? If it didn't have that? So,
0: I'm sure probably not. not. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, when it comes to Halo, was the first Halo and did it have a online multiplayer, or was it Halo Two that started that? Halo Two. Right. I was looking at a I was list there, man. <laughs> I was looking at a list of the most expensive to make games of all time. Because Destiny's on the list. It's like number mm-hmm. six. Um and I was surprised when I was looking at the list because I saw that another Bungie game, Halo Two, was number five. And then in twenty twenty dollars it actually cost according to this, and this is all just estimates, that Destiny uh cost hundred and fifty one million dollars to make just up just up front. And Halo 2 was 217.
2: Well, do you know the backstory on that?
0: Do I? I don't know. Yeah. Fill me in.
2: Oh, so I'm trying to remember the timeline. I think it was like you had E3 in July or June, and then Halo 2 was supposed to ship that fall. And they took a demo to E3, and then when they got back to their headquarters, they were like, we need to scrap everything and start over. And they (laughs) scrapped everything and started over. Like yes. the demo, the demo <laughs> they showed at E3 was actually barely playable and they only showed it as like a, as like a, like a, like showed, they showed it in a movie theater. Like no, nobody got to play it. Only Bungie employees played it because they were like, oh yeah, if we, if we run off to in this direction, it crashes it. So <laughs> it was fully curated, fully played by a Bungie employee who knew not to mess with certain things, otherwise else it would break it. And then once they got back to their studio, they were like, we need to design this all over again.
0: That's funny. Are you sure
1: that Halo 2, I mean, Halo 1 did not have online play? Because
2: I bought, I bought it Halo... for PC and I played it online. Yes, Halo on PC did have online play. And then you could play Halo 1 online if you hacked your Xbox back in the day. But Halo 1 on Xbox had no online play. Halo 2, like Xbox Live didn't exist when Halo 1 came out. Xbox Live launched maybe a couple of months before Halo Two, specifically for Halo Two. That's crazy to me that that game had that much.
1: I guess GoldenEye did the same thing, but that much success with multiplayer without online multiplayer.
2: Yeah, I mean it was the it was a different time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Also, we're talking console, like the whole the whole console um, audience needed something different at that time than say PC, where being online was a little more of a. Um, it was a little further along, right? At the same mm-hmm. time that people were sinking their teeth into, uh, for example, um, Halo 2, PC folks, and I count myself among them, we're thinking, we're sinking our teeth into Half-Life 2. Yeah. That was our was big game time, at that yeah. time. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, it's, it's interesting hearing some of these reminiscences you have about Halo and Destiny 1. I know you played Destiny 1, right, Will? Yes. Yeah. Because that, to me, was like a parallel universe to what I got to experience. Um, I like to tell people that the last the last console that, that, I, that I owned was the N64, just to put a, <laughs> a date on it.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Halo 2 and Half-Life 2 were released at the same time?
0: 2004. Those, I think that's when Half-Life 2 came
1: out. Half-Life 2 seems wildly advanced compared to Halo 2.
2: I mean, Half-Life was a PC game compared to a console game. So yeah, it... See, there was, that statement, so it was a
1: little different that statement right there is why i never had an xbox and i never got into halo and i always kind of not necessarily scoffed but i was confused by its success because there were games like half-life that i felt like blew it out of the damn water and but i guess the popularity of xbox with college well, fraktors,
2: well like <laughs> if you if you want to get into a little deeper into the subject here. Um, it's it's simplicity, because the thing, the thing about a gaming console is that it's, you take it out of the box, you plug it in, if it has, if I mean, if you connect it to Wi-Fi or internet, and it has an update, it updates, but it does that on its own, like, the box takes care of itself, and it's that simplicity is why it's so, so easy. would like, I understand we're different as more techie people, but would you give an eight-year-old parts to a PC computer and said, have fun, make yourself a gaming computer, and then get that thing up and running and playing Half-Life 2? Right, I guess Steam so, has made that a lot more manageable over the years. But... Yes, Steam has made that more manageable, but also at the same time, early two thousands PC gaming was still kind of like, oh hey, you're a nerd with glasses on in your mother's basement playing on your PC, like that. It was a it was a legitimate stigma people had about what PC gaming was. So that's you know, a and legitimate I, and I stigma. Feel...
0: That's quite a pairing of words. Hey, Will, riffing off of this, how much would you say? Halo, that that the success and the audience of Halo um, is represented currently by Destiny. Like, I guess that's not a good way to put the question. I come to Destiny as a PC gamer who likes shooters and likes MMOs. And it's like, oh, hey, these does both these things. I should try it. I actually jumped in um, after Forsaken, which was a universally appraised expansion, yep. and after the announcement that Bungie and Activision were going to split, So it's going to be a good time to try the game. Um, But you came into it early on. You were in Destiny 1, which is a console-only game. Mm -hmm. Um, How much of the current Destiny community that is active right now come from that console Halo heritage, do you think?
2: I I think that's just a good question. I don't know. I I will 100% say that Destiny 1 got the sales numbers it did because of Halo
0: and its legacy. Yeah, but Halo creators pertains, make an MMO shooter. That's a great headline.
2: Yeah. As it pertains to the people who are playing now, I think that uh well, the Master Chief collection just came out on Steam. So right. I I don't know if that like I, I'd have to look back at the numbers and see if after that released if Destiny took a little bit of a dip in its numbers because now those Halo people were going off of oh, Halo. Yeah that might be something be to look at yeah yeah uh, so
1: there's no doubt that Halo uh, destiny's destiny one success came from just the name bungie being associated with halo because yeah. when you i mean, you total in advertising and everything the budget for destiny one was 500 million dollars before it even launched and yes. you got to be super confident to spend that much on a game to know that you're gonna make it back really quickly, and they <laughs> were just because of Halo.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, I can agree with that.
0: They did actually spend that much to make it, but that's how much the agreement with Activision was for. So I think that way that way that shook out financially. That's what my research told me anyway.
1: What I saw was just it's the but total budget for everything, not just game development, but also for advertising it, which they yep. did advertise the shit out of that game. It was everywhere.
2: I think there's another crazy stat out there that the advertising for Destiny 1 like overshadowed the actual money spent on developing it. So, yeah, this, uh, this great might be article that
0: that's out there, it's called List of Most Expensive Video Games to Develop. It has a column for development costs and a column for marketing costs. And for, for Destiny, it says the development costs were le- under 140 mil and the marketing costs were under, 100, under 140 mil, which means that the total cost could be anywhere up to 280, but it estimates 151. I don't know where those mm-hmm. numbers come from, but yeah. yeah, it's interesting too. Like the very top game on this list of the most expensive um, is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. 50 million to develop and 200 million dollars in marketing. God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I mean,
1: weird because why do you even need to market that game? Call of Duty is like a guaranteed well even at that point that's
2: like game number seven isn't it
0: uh
2: oh yeah no okay so i'm trying to remember the call of duty timeline modern warfare 2 see modern warfare the first modern warfare was the gamble
1: modern warfare was four wasn't it yeah
2: it was it was call of duty 4 but also that was the gamble that was the like people the call of duty 3 had lower sales than 2 i think like their sales weren't as good and then they released 4 which was the modern warfare which blew up call of duty so, yeah, I guess that makes sense that Modern Warfare 2, they spent more money on it. They hyped it up to sh- like for all Get Out. And, yeah, okay, I, I just needed to get the timeline straight in my head. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, it's a juggernaut now, so it must have worked. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I always scoff when I see the advertising cost of like any big film or a big game or something, but they always make it back pretty much, so they know what they're doing.
2: Takes a lot of money to put a video game on a soda can. So yeah.
1: <laughs> Destiny 1 didn't even get off console, did it?
2: Yeah, no. Destiny 1 was console only. Uh that was that was a big push about D2 was that, hey, we're making the jump to we're making the jump to PC. This is also going to be PC friendly kind of thing. Did Destiny 2 has it done better than Destiny 1? I do not know. I Imagine. I wish I had looked that up before.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't before know. Before this I mean, I would think just with the numbers of PC being added in,
2: it would yeah. have to be. I I want to say that Destiny 2 did not do as well as D1 because of how D1 was kind of handled at first. There was a lot of drop-off in D1 just because of how things panned out and how people didn't like the game and things weren't... Let's see. Like, now, we're, now uh, anybody who's in Destiny is used to the way it works. Like... You grind up to this point, and after you finish all the story missions and you grind it up to this point, you're ready for the raid. In D1, nobody knew that. Um, I, Greg, I told you about how I played all of D1's story and then put the game down for two and three weeks because I didn't have a clan. I didn't have people that I knew that played the game. I didn't know that there... Actually, there was an amount of time that I didn't know the raid was out there. There's a lot that wasn't shown and wasn't like fully explained when playing the game. But once I got involved in the community, the, it became much clearer. And I got hooked and started playing you know, weekly, daily, and things like that.
0: And yeah, that seems I to remember, be the hook that Bungie relies on, is to get their community passionate and have their community tell new players how to play the game and how to enjoy which it. Which
2: is actually kind of crappy. That's bad game. Well, in them. my <laughs>
0: case, it was. Because I, I spent like 200 hours playing this game last year. And I felt like I didn't have any fun. I even joined your guys' <laughs> clan and tried to play with you guys, and I just got to a point where I was like, what the f- what the hell am I doing here? Well, am going to do yeah. bounties with a clan that's not around except for the one time a week they raid, and they just plow yeah. through it without telling me what the fuck I'm doing. Like, why am I bothering?
1: See, that's the the fun of clans from where Greg and I come from is that you play different clans. So it's it's a collection of people that you're friends with mostly, but... Mm-hmm. You also compete with other people who you basically hate, from what I remember. <laughs> but in Destiny, that does that exist in any form with clans?
0: In organized competitive really. format. Did there used to be no, something not really. like
2: that? Will they? Trying to remember, they tried to do that. I believe that the guy there was a in in the beginnings of D two. There was guided games. I'm sure somebody could correct me on this, but I believe that there was some if I want to use the word synergy with guided games, which is basically a version of matchmaking for raids where you help people who haven't raided before. And I, the clan had something, your clan had something to do with that. I never did it. And it was actually buggy as hell. And like people would spend hours waiting for a group to get together. Um, Yeah. And that's the thing where you have a mentor, right? Yeah. It's like a mentor thing. It's like you, like if I was to go into guided games, I would say, I'm an experienced raider. I know how to do this thing. I want to help someone else. And it would section me as someone wanting, like a helper (laughs) as a, as a Sherpa and then bringing other people that, so I could get them through the
0: raid and show them how to do it. Trials of Osiris. What was trials of Osiris? Trials of
2: Osiris was a weekend only PVP event where there was custom gear, custom armor, custom weapons that you could only obtain by doing trials um, I am not a very good PVP player, so I never actually did trials myself, but I understand it enough. Um, there you would have to, Oh, someone's going to correct me on this. It was either seven or nine. I believe it was nine. You had to get through nine matches of trials in a weekend to be able to go to what was called the lighthouse, which was just a general, like, uh, it was like a, a patrol area, but that's where you would get your gear. You would, jump into the game, say, hey, I want to do Trials right now. It's the weekend. You win your nine games, and then you get to go to the Lighthouse and you get your gear. Um, If you didn't win nine games, you had to wait till next weekend. And -hmm. it was the top tier of the top tier PvP. Uh, It was the thing that kept Destiny 1 alive, really. Uh, I think D2 probably would have sold absolutely nothing if it weren't for Trials, because everyone... When there was no content to play, everyone was watching Trials. There are some streamers out there who have even, like, you know, they made their name by playing Trials and streaming it. So So why
0: is it not a thing anymore?
2: Because they released a very bastardized and terrible version of it in D2 in the very beginning. And it was not fun and no one liked it. And uh, (laughs) if you you wanted to get mean about it. They it yeah, they changed the game mode. It was in original trials in D1. It was a it was an elimination. It was rounds of elimination, three v three, and if you died, you could be revived, but you don't respond. And if the other team takes all three of you out, you win your round. Very oh, simple, cool.
0: right? Yeah, I can't get the yeah, hell.
2: It was a it was a very simple game mode. They changed it. They added multiple modes. I played a little bit of it at the very beginning of D2, and they added multiple modes for it. They didn't have that elimination mode. Like, the classic trials from D1 was nowhere in the game to be found. And it wasn't working, and because it wasn't working, they just took it out. They said, you know what? This is not what we were hoping for. Like, I think even at one point on Twitch, there were more people streaming Destiny 1 trials than they were streaming Destiny 2 trials.
0: Ouch. Yeah, let's talk a yeah, little bit about the, the the transition from Destiny 1 to Destiny 2. Um, I understand rough. that it was exactly <laughs> that. It was really rough. Um, I mean, yeah. for me, it's cool that it came to PC, but I, my understanding is that the initial critical reception of Destiny 2 was pretty positive for reviewers who play a game for 5 to 10 mm-hmm. hours and then put out a review but then then the community got to the end game and put their hands up and said what what was the point of this
2: Uh, yeah that's that's exactly it that was the greatest way to sum it up um yeah the the initial gameplay great it was you know the the red war as they call it the campaign the red war which was to that's what you
0: hated taylor by the way
2: yes it was an actual story because people people uh, are always like eh, D one didn't really have a story, whereas D two it was like oh hey these guys came in solar system, took our light, but we found our light back yada yada yada. There was an actual story that followed an actual like story progression first middle end acts and things like that. And if that you was refer great. to that as an actual story. What the hell
0: was the story of d one? <laughs> was it like Dark Souls style where you have to like look for it?
2: it in well, D1? in D D1, one it was in D1 it was a little less linear um so when you started the when you started the game in D1 you maybe had two or three missions you had to go through before things kind of really opened up and once you did those first couple of missions it would then be like hey there are three missions or four missions just scattered on one of the planets that you can do in any order you want to do and do it however you want to do it things like that whereas D2 was just like You're at this mission. Now you go to this mission. Then you go to this mission. Then you go to this mission. Uh, And that was what was being praised. So, um, but the problem with D2 was the actual end game. That, and I hate to say it, but at times I think Destiny shines its best or its brightest when it caters more towards the hardcore crowd. Um, Because it is supposed, Destiny is supposed to be a game that you, you play and you grind and you get things and you do more things. And if you tone things down, like what they did at the very beginning of Destiny Two, and cat and cater more towards the casual, I think that's Destiny at its worst. So, yeah. You see <laughs> the, the grinding part.
1: Um, that's where I get stuck. Is because uh-huh. it's uh, it seems like you're you're doing all this grinding to get this thing, and then you get this thing. But what does this thing allow you to do? Mm-hmm. It allows you to kill more things that give you more things. Yeah. And so that, that loop to me, I mean, that's that loop kind of exists in Sekiro as well, but Mm -hmm. in Sekiro, I seek out these fights because when I win them, I feel like I accomplish something really great because you have Mm -hmm. to have really good timing. You have to figure out the attack patterns of this enemy. You die many times before you win most fights. Yeah. But in destiny, Going through the campaign, at least in my experience with this game, was not deep, and it's because I didn't feel any of these things. But going through the campaign, it just felt like a knife through butter. And so, the more equipment I got, the easier it got. Yeah. I just, I, the yeah. loot didn't make sense to
2: me.
0: I have a problem with Destiny loot too. Um, Destiny I have... Two
2: has loot issues, plain and simple.
0: <laughs> yeah. So l- Which is let me weird, tell though, you, cause you cause what bugs me game. about it. Yeah. Well, this is the way that I like to think about any RPG game is, and you guys can tell me if you think this is reasonable or not, is that it's okay to have loot as a MacGuffin, something that drives the action, motivates you to get out into the world and engage with the game mechanics and do it with other people. But what makes the game good or not are the experiences you have along the way to getting that loot. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And my experience as a Destiny player last year, late Forsaken, right around the season of Opulence coming out, is that the experiences I was having was I was playing single player next to strangers 99% of the time, mm-hmm. and that yeah. there were rare community events that came out where there was this this bust of this this uh, um, big explosion of activity for a week or maybe two where the community kind of woke up from its slumber. It was like, oh, it's time to do stuff. People started communicating with each other and talking to each other, and there was good gaming going on and real community. And then everyone would get, their, get, get that loot because the way that I think Bungie structures those experiences is, although the hurdle towards getting to whatever the goal of that content is, like what you described with the um, the, the random room thing with the, the symbols mm-hmm. and you...
2: Whisper the worm. Oh, yeah. oh you mean the corridors of time.
0: Corridors of time, Whisper <clears> of <throat> the worm. The same kind of idea yeah. is once you successfully do it, you get the thing and then you're done.
2: Yeah. The only way you Did repeat you ever it... go back is and do is corridors to, of
0: time again? ...is to walk your friends through it, right?
2: Well, that one could actually be done completely. it's It was not a... The hard part was figuring out the codes for the path that you needed to take. After that, the actual mission was very easy. And... Right i will I will jump in to say that all of these community events that they give you, they're for exotics. So there's you know, there's the multiple tiers of weapons. When you get to the end game, you're dealing with your legendary weapons, which is your general like, oh, hey, a weapon randomly dropped from a strike or some activity, I pick it up and I go. Exotics are your special tier. Have some special ability to them. You can only equip one exotic weapon at a time. You can only equip one exotic um, armor piece at a time. These are special weapons. These weapons have fixed roles. And I think what is a role
0: for us non Destiny players?
2: Yes. Sorry, I keep on jumping too far ahead. Um, No worries.
0: All weapons.
2: All weapons have perks to them. These perks define how the weapon plays. On legendary weapons, um, faster reload. More damage on headshots if you do a specific thing. Um, there is one that's like if you shoot, what is it? Um, there is a there's a similar perk like what I described to that sniper rifle, where it's like if I get three headshots in a row with this with this pistol, it will put one bullet back in the mag that I'll have to fire.
0: And that's an exotic like that. level it's, perk, right?
2: No, that's not an exotic level perk. That's a legendary level perk.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. But what's of the world is an exotic exotic weapon. Better
2: than legendary or... Yeah, exotic is generally better than legendary. And I probably am butchering these definitions and someone's probably going to yell about it.
0: My experience uh, of it, Will, was that exotics have unique perks that do things that 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 generally perks don't do.
2: Yeah. So like when I was talking about that sniper rifle, it was you have the potential for unlimited ammo if you do your shots correctly. Like that was the exotic thing about it is that if I get three headshots in a row... I do not have to reload. The bullets just magically reappear in the mag and then it doesn't pull from like my reserves or anything. It's just free ammo. Like that's and, what's exotic about
0: it. Right. And are there legendary so, perks that also have ammo mechanics but maybe they're just less strong?
2: Yes, there are. So okay. what I was getting to is that these crazy, you know, mini dungeon like levels or mini, you know, these mini levels that have a lot of community activity They drop exotic weapons. Exotic weapons don't randomly roll perks. They have one set perk. They have one set of perks, and that's it. I think to get to the level of what you're talking about, they would need to create some type of awesome legendary weapon that's at the end that is also randomly rolled perks. And then that's when you'd get that game loop that you were talking about specifically, Greg. Um,
0: Which at the same
2: time, which, well, you were talking about how it's kind of like, Oh, everyone got their gun, and then they stopped. Like right. this thing, this thing doesn't exist to me anymore because I already have the weapon.
0: It becomes dead content okay. for your it community content, after yes. a couple of weeks.
2: Yes, so I think which is that... maybe
0: okay. Like in traditional RPGs and MMO RPGs, you mm-hmm. gear past a dungeon, you gear past a raid, and it's okay not to have to replay that same thing over and over again, as long as there's something to motivate you to play the game. That's that creates an enjoyable game. Um, yeah. I. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, Will, but didn't random rolls... So, the idea of random rolls, tell me if I get this right, is that weapons and armor, although I know armor is different now, but weapons specifically, um, when you get, you know, pistol of the of the forgotten or whatever, I'm making up a gun, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's real. Pistol of the forgotten, uh, say it drops from a certain strike, which is like a, a dungeon you can match so it just, again I love to. that
1: you made that up, and it sounds like it fits right into the game.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so Pistol of the Forgotten and it has say three random perks that draw from a pool of perks and you know how you like to play the game. You're a PvPer, you want it to do a certain you want it to have a good range stat, which means that um it gets good damage from range, you want it to have a certain reload perk, you want a certain set of perks you know. So you're gonna grind out that strike, uh, just as an example, um, to get this certain pistol, and that's maybe something you do with friends. Oh, I want to get this specific role. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that one of the things that people loved about... Um, okay, so before I jump into that, it's important to mention that at Destiny 2 release, random roles didn't exist. They were taken away from the Destiny formula when Bungie said, hey, Destiny 1 is done now. You have to play Destiny 2. But we're going to take away your random roles. And then it came back in Forsaken. Am I getting that mm-hmm. timeline
2: right? That, is, you... that was the correct timeline. Um, and I'm actually, a little confused. It was... Go ahead. Um, well, it, it kind of goes back to something that I've alluded to a few times, is that Destiny, I think, shines its brightest when it kind of leans towards the more hardcore. Destiny 2, they came out and they said, hey, you know what? We want to make this a little bit easier for people. We know, because one of, I, I remember this, one of the stats they threw out before D2 came out was that, oh, man, was it like 2 or 3%? Only 2 or 3% of the Destiny 1 community through its lifespan, started a raid and then finished a raid uh-huh. to, like that low single digits of the player base. And you think about it, the millions of people who right. played the game. So they wanted to change that and it, they simplified and dumbed things down um, enough to say, Hey, there's not going to be random rolls. So you, if you get a gun, you have the gun, you don't have to worry about getting the best role for it or anything like that. They did the same for armor. And that's I think, you know, that like that destroyed the end game. That's like, you know, like I was saying, like or, there's no uh, incentive to go back. You
0: get the yeah, thing like and then you're you done. There's no reason the, to play anymore.
2: Yeah, the the reviewers who came in and played five and six hours and then stopped, they said, Hey, this is a good game. Whereas the destiny community who, you know, obsess over the game and play it for hours on end, they got a couple hours in and said, Well wh- why do I even play?
0: Yeah. The, thing so, the that- first time
2: I
1: started playing it. Uh, you were playing it with me, and you pointed to your to your power number. Is that what it is? It's whatever it was. Power level. Yeah, it's called power level now. Power like, level. You pointed to it and said, "And the goal is to get this to 550 or whatever it was." And my mm-hmm. first thought was just, "Why?" And oh, then, man. even as I played the game, I'm still like, "Why?" Because the power level doesn't translate to PvP at all, right? Yeah, in in and in so the in the enemies, PvP modes, it does not. And the enemies scale as you progress, so your power level doesn't really mean shit, because as you get more powerful, they get more difficult. Which yeah. is how a game's supposed to be. But that doesn't that's if that's the ultimate goal to chase after, I don't care.
0: Currently yeah, in D2, be...
1: The
2: way it stands is that your power level is like your gatekeeping of the next content. Because you know, I was saying you need to get to 550. Because at 550, you could start to do the raid.
1: Oh, that's okay. so that's the point of more.
2: that. It's a gateway to more content, which I would say is a little bit of lazy development. Because it really, like, it currently it serves no real bigger purpose than just, oh, hey, I can't do this content because I'm not high enough power level,
0: and it sucks. It feels bad, too. like to <laughs> yeah. be like, oh, my number's not high enough. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not high enough. It's I'm not tall enough to get into this ride kind of thing. But when you're talking about height, you feel your height. You know when you're getting taller. But actually getting a a drop that increases your light level in Destiny doesn't make you feel any more powerful. It doesn't make you stomp lower level enemies any harder. It just lets you play more stuff at the same power you're already at. This is one of the biggest problems I have with Destiny is that all of the stats and perks feel bad. None of them give that same visceral sense of "I'm getting more powerful" that you get when you get a new weapon in World of Warcraft.
1: Mm-hmm. So, was that does that number exist to get me to
2: play the campaign? Basically,
0: I think when the, you played, Taylor, number... you couldn't even play the rest of the game to even finish the campaign.
2: Yeah, uh, y- y- sure if, if you started way. out brand new and during Forsaken, you kind of had to do the like normal campaign that released, then you could do Forsaken. Yeah. So, I mean, so what? What would my what's the average power level? increase by the time you just finish the vanilla campaign oh um vanilla campaign well by the time you get out of the vanilla campaign you should have been somewhere in like the 250s the 280s i think because you needed to run the raid to be able to get to level 300
0: so by the time you were playing taylor i think we were in like the 700s or something like that because whenever they do a new content drop whether it's a season or an expansion or whatever they increase the the max light uh, power level.
1: Because it just sounds like the, the reason to get... You can't play more until you play more, which, yeah, that's poor. The Borderlands 2 did something similar, and that's where throughout the campaign you start with two weapon slots, and then at some point it upgrades to three, and then finally it upgrades to four. And the only way you can do that is to play through the campaign. But there was nothing that told me I can't go somewhere yet. It was just that I could only have two weapons, three weapons or four weapons, which I would greatly prefer that to being told that you've got to go play more over here before you can play here.
0: Or to have it set up so that the mechanics that prevent you from being successful in higher level stuff are a little less abstracted, like to say, oh, um, my armor level isn't high enough because my armor level isn't high enough. I take too much damage. Or to say, oh, because my weapon damage isn't high enough, I don't do enough damage to realistically take out this enemy. But instead of having things like that that the player can look at and easily measure and understand, it has this abstract light level. Um,
2: yeah, the um, so to explain for you guys and everyone else, the your overall light level is the average of all your gear stats. And since you actually said that, Greg, I do like that. I do like what you just said a lot more. Like. You take more damage with lower light level or lower power level um, armor. You do less damage with lower power level um, weapons. Right now, that doesn't matter. What matters is your average. So you just want to have the gear that gets you the highest power level, and then that's it. Uh, I, I can't tell you the number of times that we've, like my clan has pulled someone through a raid that was like way too low light level to do it, but we could drag them through it because we could compensate for them. Yeah. And now that you've just mentioned that and I've heard it, I feel like that's what Destiny needs to be. Like If that if that person that we're pulling through the raid has really high-level weapons but really low-level armor, they can still damage with us, but they can't take as many hits. And, then and that first, makes it
0: feel more it, meaningful when you get yeah. a good armor drop. It's like, oh, I know yeah. what this does for me, and I can feel the effect immediately. Instead yeah. of now where it feels like you're, you're taking all your gear and you're throwing it in a pot and turning it into a stew. Yep. It's, it, it's 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 it takes the viscerality out of it which makes it less rewarding to get, get get stuff which makes it less rewarding to pursue this stuff which makes you not care about logging in to get it it's a yep. it's a big problem for an rpg to have loot that's not exciting and i think what they do with exotics is pretty cool um but i don't think it's enough
1: well even yeah. just the motivation as loot which i don't I don't ever really care about. It's still a beautiful game, yeah. And that's usually a good motivation to get me to play something like Borderlands Two, it's because you're an artist, yeah. I guess so. What but do you do? Borderlands Taylor? Two
0: is a- tell everyone.
1: I'm a video editor for a living, and I do photography as a hobby. And I have a bachelor's of fine arts and visual effects. So I, just, I have many years of an art background. So I appreciate <laughs> the hell out of how much work goes into a video game, uh, but. Destiny 2 is full of these really beautiful environments, but all I remember about any of them is just running through a vast emptiness to get to the next area. There was nothing about any of these environments that I remember experiencing or using. They were just a backdrop that I ran through that created a big gap of downtime from one area to the next.
0: I know what you're talking about, Taylor, and I know what what you're feeling you're lacking there, um, I would describe that as the way that Bungie has decided to do its world building. In a more classical MMO, you might go through a zone, um, say, you know, the the upsea canyons or whatever you want to call it. And you might go from village to town in this area. You might talk to the people there. You might help them solve their problems, defeat some bandits. You know, whatever general RPG stuff. But as you go through these these areas and you do these tasks in this area, you learn about it. You become connected to it. You have an NPC right. that tells a joke that maybe you laugh at and you remember that. You do it with your friends because there are challenges that are too hard for you to do by yourself. Um, and that creates so... a connection to it. But in Destiny, almost everything that you could learn about it is disambiguated to the user interface. You get a drop yeah, so and then you have to go into your, to your lore tab to read.
1: As you say that, <clears throat> I remember the story of any place that I was running past was usually the floating robot guy, something saying something like, Oh, it looks like everyone died here. And that's that was the story of everywhere as everything was ravaged and destroyed. But even uh, since we were comparing it to half-life earlier, and I think borderlands 2 is also guilty of this as well. These big empty areas, in a game like Half-Life, that's where a puzzle would be. So even though there's no enemies going on, and there's something that I have to go through to get to more enemies, it's usually something that engages me in the form of making me use my brain to get past it. Whereas in Destiny, I don't think anything
2: like that at all exists. And, and that's for the, the type danger. Of game it, is,
0: it turns your brain what? off. That kind of stuff turns yeah. your brain off. It makes you yeah, stop well, engaging.
2: The puzzles you're looking for would be in the raids there. That's, that's where your main puzzles are going to be. Well, why not? You if, never they got make, that far.
1: <laughs> if they make these giant maps that I'm just running through for absolutely no reason, why not either cut that out or put something in those spots?
2: Yeah, you need to get to the forsaken content. That was one of the reasons why that was so highly praised is that there was an in-game content patrol area called the Dreaming City. And it it utilized that idea really well. Uh, There was, you know, you would walk into this seemingly random looking cave and there'd be something to activate or something to grab to take somewhere else to activate. There's a lot of little puzzles in there that, you know, showed what destiny could be. And it could be like what you just described. But they just haven't put that kind of effort and work into all of the patrol zones and all of the empty spaces. But so,
1: if I were to get, <clears throat> is that is that the latest DLC that came out for it was it's a DLC ago? Yeah, last year. If I if I buy that, do I have immediate
2: access to that, or do I have to do some sort you of have to go work through the story first to, to unlock it? Ah, see. Well, That's... <laughs> well, yes, you would have you would have to play the Forsaken campaign to get to the Dreaming City. Like it doesn't you don't just get Forsaken and the Dreaming City is unlocked. You have to actually go through the story mode. And then you have to do a quest to unlock this patrol area. How long yeah. is that? That's that's hours of content. It'll,
0: it'll probably take you, if you're just starting from Forsaken start, it probably take you, you know, eight to ten hours realistically.
1: So would that be maybe eight to ten hours of the exact same Destiny Two I have been experiencing?
0: The Forsaken campaign was a lot easier to enjoy than the Red War. I thought it was I mean, a lot better. You had
2: better. your Sparrow unlocked. That was easier. So yeah.
0: Yeah, but, um, you know, it's really cool hearing both of you guys' perspective on the, the Dreaming City. Um, I actually did get to play through the Dreaming City, and that's where I spent a lot of my time. Um, I really liked Dreaming City at first, and I stumbled into some of those puzzles, Will, and um, I didn't actually like them. What I ended up finding out is that in order to get these puzzles done, it wasn't about figuring it out. It was about looking it up on YouTube, because these, <laughs> these puzzles are not actually... Practical to solve in like a casual gaming session. Like they're not actual mm. open world content. There, it's it's still al- almost part of that vein of community problem solving, where it's all farmed out to the content creators. Yeah. And so, if you like having YouTube up on your side screen, then and like listening to Dado explain stuff to you, then sure, that's really dope. But um, if you want to meet an NPC, is going to tell you a story about the world that you're going to be able to connect with, or something, or like. Dreaming City still felt like a stage to me and not like a world yeah. despite all the the cool there and there was cool stuff there. I liked the well event um the first you know 15 times I did it.
2: <laughs> yeah
0: um, But after you start to be able to read the matrix a little bit and understand how it's put together um, as far as open worlds go, it's a it's a pretty shallow one even as the, the pinnacle example, I thought. In terms of it, yeah. it's like, like, well, have you played any other MMORPGs besides Destiny? Actually, no. Okay, so I've played Guild Wars 2. Mm-hmm. I've played World of Warcraft. That, that's my experience there. Yeah. Um, and the most important thing about these games, arguably, the thing that really distinguishes them from other games with similar mechanics, is the social component and the world. Yeah. Because anyone can make a game with a story and mechanics in it but to to turn that into a social experience where you're where you feel like you're you're in a place is a, is a special thing. Mm-hmm. And with with Destiny, I was never tricked into feeling like I was in the world of Destiny. I always feel like I'm reading about Destiny. Like someone's telling me about it. Um and I I I think part of I that think is a, issues with story delivery and characterization. How so?
2: Um so in D1, uh, I know uh, from listening to from your earlier podcasts, uh, Taylor, you had a few things to say about your robotic companion, the ghost. Um, yeah, the ghost is supposed to be this your introduction to the world because the story of Destiny is that you're somebody who's been dead for hundreds of years, and the ghost revives your body and says, "Hey, you've been chosen to do this thing." So in D one, the ghost was supposed to be like, "Oh, hey." This is normal to me, but this little thing over here, this is this, this, and this, and the ghost is supposed to explain it to you. I think that is a crutch that they brought over from D1. And I think it had to do with the PC uh, the PC launch because the ghost still explains things as if you haven't lived in the world, if you haven't been in the world. And one little trick that they did is that if you were an Xbox or PlayStation player and like... You know, I played D1 on Xbox, and then as soon as D2 came out on Xbox, I could play it on Xbox again, or I could play it on Xbox, and the ghost would talk to me as, as someone who's already been in the world. The ghost would say, like, oh, hey, remember when you did this? Well, this is kind of like this happening again. The ghost would reference that, and there's a little more, a little less feeling of what you were talking about. And now what I'm saying about this, they're leaning on this as a crutch for PC, as a PC player, I don't get that option at all. There's not like a checkbox where I can be like, hey, put in the veteran dialogue and talk to me like I know what I'm doing. In PC, it's just you're a brand new guardian who just woke up and doesn't know anything about the universe. And so the ghost is just going to explain everything at you. And that is a crutch. That is a narrative crutch that they are still using and they need to get away from a little bit, in my opinion. Yes, they should have named him Exposition Bot. Uh, yeah so and and Taylor, to tell you my story about the ghost and my disappointment with the ghost is that it it seemed to me that the ghost was kind of lifted up as like your cop buddy, like I was expecting D one to be a little bit like a buddy cop movie where you and your ghost have a dialogue and a back and forth, and it was kind of it was kind of presented in that way, I had to say, a little bit of false advertising, and then I played D one and realized how much. Dialogue my actual character has, and then there was after one expansion, after one of the expansions in D1, your playable character went completely silent for what was that three or four years before Forsaken came out, and they had another single line of dialogue. One line. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, so talking about I,
1: Destiny One or Destiny Two?
2: Well, I was talking about the Destiny One in, in, transa- in transition into Destiny Two and Forsaken. So there was a three or four year block that went from like the middle of destiny one's run until forsaken that came out in destiny two, that your character had no dialogue whatsoever.
1: Did you play as Cade six in destiny one, or was he still just a character?
2: He was a character. Yeah.
1: Okay. So really the people you played at as in destiny one are nowhere to be found in destiny two.
0: You're still that person. I You're think still supposed to be that person. Yeah. yeah canonically.
2: Oh, like even okay. though i play on why PC, bother uh, yeah even though i play on pc and like you know i played d1 on the xbox i still consider my pc characters to be the characters i started in d1 so but it's just how my brain thinks of it but yeah no and that's the, the way the story's written yeah that's the way the story's written but yeah the ghost there's some really good potential there uh, if if destiny was the destiny if bungie was to come out and say hey you know what we're going to make this more like a buddy cop movie where you and your ghost dialogue a little bit more uh, I would pay so I would just I would throw money at the screen. Uh I mean there's no real
1: role playing elements to this game so what's the point of making your character silent?
0: That's a great question.
2: It is a great question.
0: That's usually the reason you do it. Yeah. Yeah, but there's no way to build your character that distinguishes you from any other character.
2: I mean you could make your haircut funky. I mean it <laughs> oh, still boy. wouldn't affect yeah. Dialogue. Yeah, yeah, not Yeah. No. It doesn't
0: yeah like there aren't the um, like, crafting professions like there's no way mm-hmm. to specialize your character in a way that that's not purely aesthetic
1: yeah that's why I was uh, so confused to have this robot that's doing all the talking on my behalf. Why don't just I mean I'm not Gordon Freeman. just give my character the re, a reason to talk. It would make the yeah. game a lot more engaging than to have a robot just talking to me endlessly by himself because then those giant empty areas could have been the back and forth between the robot and your character yeah
0: and that's a game
1: i mean i heard that god of war
0: god of war supposedly did a really good job of that um you remember in our first episode taylor we were talking with with matt about that and he was describing how in god of war they do they have essentially a a character who's a defeated boss who is a disembodied head that magically talks to you about the world and the lore and they have these travel sections where you're on a boat going from point A to point B, and this this disembodied head will speak up and start telling you some story. Yeah, and that's how it delivered a lot of the world building. Right. Yeah, you guys those... definitely
2: you guys definitely need to check out God of War. It it does that excellently. Since as uh, as it comes to I, PC, uh, yeah. Um, I I never had any issues with how they presented that. I never it was I never tried to tried to avoid it like try and fast travel to get away from hearing him talk. It just blended in really well. Um, They did really excellent programming on how smart he was when he chose to talk and it, it really added to the game and that would be excellent to see in destiny uh, in some way, shape or form that I think I really wish you guys had played this game, but I really think that is kind of like a narrative standard right there. Like they did it so well. Last of us, the the same
1: thing. I mean, th- that game is about the relationship between Joel and Ellie. And so any area where nothing's going on, they build on that relationship. And even if you just pick a spot and stand there for a while, Ellie pulls out her joke book, just starts reciting a bunch of lame yeah. jokes and it builds their characters and their relationship,
2: which is a joke book. She got in like, I don't know, chapter two or something like she found it along the way. So that was even more development right. there. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. It- I think one of the main things that makes MMOs different in this respect is that those lulls in pacing aren't used to deliver world building. They're used to give you a chance to engage socially with people in the game, to chat, to talk about your day, to check the auction house or whatever. Um, And traditionally, MMOs... I'm I'm just thinking, I'm brainstorming about this because... There are two examples of MMOs that I'm very familiar with that I mentioned earlier, WoW and Guild Wars. WoW mm. managed to build its world in a way that was never in your face and that you could completely opt out of. But if you chose to opt in, you could read the quest text, you can talk to the NPCs, you could look at the environmental storytelling. It was there, but it was never mm-hmm. served up to you. Never, There was never a force feeding of it, like through audio lines. Um, Guild Wars is a little more modern in that it actually does have a tremendous amount of voice acting in it. And I don't... It does a pretty good job of it, but Destiny somehow has... It presents a world to you through these incredibly obtuse puzzles that you can't solve on your own. It gives you gear to grind for that doesn't feel meaningful. It gives you cooperative experiences that are... For the most part, when you're not having one of these community rushes, just playing side-by-side solo with strangers, and it gives you these worlds that are nothing, there's nothing below the skin. Like, there's nothing there below how good it looks. Hmm. And what you're left with is exactly the feeling I described previously, plastic. feels plasticky to me. Like, there's nothing solid about it. You can't build anything on top of it. It doesn't support a heavy community experience. But it has a tremendously engaged community. It really boggles my mind and is making me question whether I did it wrong. And actually, (laughs) next week, uh, a bunch of us um, are going to jump into Destiny. And I think we're going to play through Shadowkeep. And try to give it another shot. Um, we'll see how much actual actual interest there is in our little friend group. But I'm hoping, what I'm actually hoping is that this is kind of the before podcast, and then in a little while, say in a month, we'll come back and do an after where um, we'll have updated impressions um, and be able to talk to you a little bit more intelligently. I just rambled. I apologize for that. Supposed to be that. playing
1: Shadowkeep soon. You set the set the plan.
0: Yeah. It was, in, it going it was in the
1: it was in the Discord, man. Come on. <laughs> you guys think I reach shit?
0: I'm gonna play. Matt's gonna play. Matt's got some friends he brought in that are playing. So I mean you don't have to join us, but oh,
1: I
2: like hating things though.
0: Yes. You like hating things. I mean if Taylor, days, Taylor plays, that. I
2: have to play too because I have to be able to call him on his bullshit.
0: And then My we can spend bullshit. the whole time making fun of your clan mates.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> totally, totally, totally. <laughs> Can we can we stream it so they can like watch us live? Just absolutely,
0: know. I stream almost every time I, I play.
2: There we go. Absolutely.
0: But, yeah, I'll try
2: to jump on and just you know ruin your fun with all
1: my advancement. <clears throat> See, I'm gonna have a de- inner debate though. How much is Forsaken?
0: I don't know. I bought it for twenty bucks, but I think it might have been on sale. I honestly
1: sale. don't know what the pricing structure is now.
0: <laughs> Let's look it up. <laughs> because Destiny
1: I'm for... noticing nowadays that my hunch on not wanting games tends to always be correct. And the last one I tried that with was Monster Hunter World. And that was the first game I ever got a refund on. I guess I could just get a refund on Forsaken. Can you get refunds on DLC? I don't know. Uh, It's, it's treated like a full fledged kind of game. So you should be able to. Yeah. I'll I'll play it for one hour and 50 minutes and then stop and ask for my money back.
0: Don't tell me how much it costs because I've already bought it. Oh wait, here it is. 25 bucks. But if you buy the fifty dollar edition, you get Shadowkeep and Forsaken. And I'm pretty sure we're going to be playing Shadowkeep.
1: <laughs> not. That's uh, so wait, you can't just buy Shadowkeep on its own. Yeah, you mm, can. You be but
0: to. I don't think people are going to be playing Forsaken. What I'm as that's, that's what I'm saying, I think you'll be playing it alone.
1: Oh, I was talking about whichever one you guys were the talking group about. We'll be doing Shadowkeep,
2: the new yeah.
0: stuff. Yeah, Shadowkeep's the new one. It's.
2: Have you played that, Will, or is that not out yet?
0: Thirty. Oh no, yeah,
2: I, I played it. It, it came out. October. It came out in October.
1: Yeah. I remember you told me when Destiny 2 first came out that basically they did it all wrong, but then you thought they kind of fixed it. Do you still have that stance?
2: Yeah. So they have. So uh, something I talked with Greg about before this was um, that while Destiny's vanilla game launches have been muddled with problems and different things like that, and people dissing the story and saying, ah, oh, there's not a story their DLCs, they're they're big DLCs. So like in D one it was Taken King. Um in D two Forsaken Shadow Keep, they have really hit them hit those out of the park. Like those have really been solid. And when it comes to Destiny content and play it like hours played and things like that. It's the in between that I feel a lot of the problems come in. <laughs> so what is it what's different in those three compared to the base game? Like, when you're talking about the quality of them, I honestly have no idea why Whoa. the DLCs have, are better quality than the actual released games.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, give me my he, impression on saw... it, Taylor. Okay. Like, if you compare, say, The Red War, which is the Destiny 2 vanilla launch story, versus Forsaken, which is the expansion that came out last year that I primarily engaged with, what I noticed as the difference is that the, um, the layers of rewarding activities you could do were deeper and more gratifying in the game. Um, I also noticed that the, uh, the quality of the storytelling was much higher, that the campaign play was a lot more enjoyable because it was much more of um, spokes coming out of a wheel rather than a linear thing that you had to plod your way through. And um, it also reintroduced the idea we talked about with random roles where if you found a gun you liked, you could actually go after that gun to some extent and try to get a really perfected version of it, which before Forsaken, there's only one version of each gun. So once you had it, there's no reason to, to keep going for it. If you like grinding, that's an upside. If you don't, maybe it's not. But that's one of the big differences that I saw. Did I miss anything big important there, Will?
2: No, actually, that that was pretty good, actually. Um, yeah, it
0: sounds
1: like Destiny is just not a game designed for me because cuz it's if it's designed to be an endless grind to get people to play the way I, if i was younger i probably would be all for that but the way i look at games now is they're an investment of my time and i have to decide what i want to split my time doing a lot <clears throat> and to dedicate a few hours of my day to this thing that gets me absolutely nowhere in life and doesn't even really entertain me along the way, thats that just feels like a big waste, and I don't want to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and if
0: I was jumping into, into it solo, I would feel the same way. The main reason I'm interested in jumping back in is because some of the other guys are doing it too. And I think if you do it with us, you might have just enough fun to hate it for our benefit.
1: <laughs> Entertaining hate. Yeah. Well, I started playing Dishonored 2 again today, just because I've been wanting to for so long. And, um, you know, what I was saying about Destiny being a big world full of nothing, Dishonored is the exact opposite, where it's a, these are very, um, not small, we'll say cozy levels, but they are just absolutely brimming with details and story and items to find in beautiful art. The game is gorgeous. And does that I, do game
0: have good personality to it? Like, does it do a good job of like feeling human?
2: I would say so.
1: Yes, I would say definitely. There's there's so much uh, just lore in that universe, but I don't. I've never played that. It's it's a game you can't really play with someone. I started streaming it just because I stream every game that I play now. Yeah. But I have a lot of fun just walking around this world they've created by myself and learning about it. It's it's so well done that I don't feel like I even need a social experience to go
2: with it at all. Yeah, well, here, yeah. yeah. I mean that's kind of the difference between a this like a, a like a straight up campaign like contained story and then whatever MMO stuff Def, Destiny Destiny's trying to emulate.
0: What's the current raid in Shadowkeep, Keep? Will
2: the current raid would be the um Garden of Salvation. It came it out good? it like released with Shadow Keep. I think it's good. I think it's on the good end of the raids. Everyone has their like list of, you know, these raids are the best from A to B or 10 to 1 or whatever. I would say it's on the I don't really have one of those lists, but it's on the good end of the spectrum. I think it just kind of hits all the right notes, really kind of reminiscent bits from older raids in D1. What um, else should we watch out for favorite.
0: in Shadow Keep as we're jumping back into it?
2: Um, the main thing in Shadowkeep is the new armor system. They kind of freed up the armor system. So we spoke about how guns have perks to them, and when you get a gun drop, it will have these three perks set on it, like, and that's it. You know, that's that's your role of the gun. Um, now, when you're grinding for gear post Shadowkeep, you're grinding for stat numbers. So they will have so now those stats are broken out into intellect, discipline, strength, um, what was it? Mobility, resilience, and recovery, <laughs> which is very <laughs>
0: RPG like.
2: Yeah, very. They wanted to turn up the RPG with some of the stuff in Shadowkeep, So they did that. And, you know, each one of those stats has a number value, and you want the highest possible number value for that armor. And that's so it. So getting
0: an armor piece is like getting a pool. And it's a pool that you can put stuff into, essentially.
2: Yes. So now, yeah. So uh, what I was trying to get to was that armor pieces don't come with pre-rolled stats anymore or um, pre-rolled... Perks. Perks, thank you. Uh, They don't come with pre-rolled perks anymore. They come, hey, you were rolled with this much ability, this much ability, and then you can pick and choose the stats that you want to put into your armor pieces.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm really excited to see how much I enjoy that. I played a couple of hours of Shadowkeep uh, over the last few days because kind of talking about this podcast got me in the mood. Mm. And I, I had the chance to take my class item and kind of put some stuff, put some uh, some some glimmer and shards into it and, and slot in some mods. And it felt very satisfying. Like I felt actually like I was customizing my armor piece. Um, I think like I'm going to mm-hmm. need to get through the campaign into max power level. Before I have a good read on whether or not that system actually addresses the the frustration with armor itemization that existed before mm-hmm. Shadowkeep.
2: Now I want to explain something. I don't know if I want to explain this to like either pre disappoint you or just give you a heads up.
0: Yeah. So give I remember me a tech. I
2: said Destiny one step forward, two steps back. So the opening up of the armor was that one step forward. The two steps back on armor is that all armor has an affinity now. And the affinity is based off of the three elements that are yeah. in the game a lot. The yeah. arc the arc, the solar, and the void. So if you get a chest piece that has like a void affinity, it's not going to be able to have certain perks be placed into it. Some perks are affinity based. And while do other armor pieces
0: are, are armor pieces always the same affinity or no. So you so can get it, it, armor of the void, in the armor of the sun, armor of the arc, and it's all the same piece with just different elements.
2: So um, yeah, the the armor is not like renamed or anything. You get like you know this chess piece, but one of the random one of the randomness one of the random rolls for it will be the affinity. So when that chess piece drops and you get it in your inventory, it will roll. Hey, is this going to be arc, solar, void? It'll drop as a void, and then it will also drop the stat numbers. And so the stat numbers still...
0: are highly variable because there are six different potential stats. You might be going for only yes. two or three of those. So even if you get the stats you want, you might not get the element you want.
2: Exactly. And that's that's part of the two steps back. It was <laughs> it was really kind of like a everyone was just It feels like it, a bait it, and switch, man. The yeah, it was kind of a bait and switch because the affinity part wasn't the the effects of the affinity wasn't really felt until people started playing. So they would, somebody would get, cause there's so many things to roll now. It's like, Oh, these six perks have to roll high. So I get a lot. So they, so that I can get a lot of, you know, max this, max that, but Oh, Hey, wait, it, it dropped a solar affinity. And now it won't take this perk that I wanted to put into it. Well, I can tell you that destiny 2
1: has certainly nailed making people talk about it. Sound like giant fucking nerds. True.
2: <laughs> I mean, they wanted to do that with shadow keep. They said in Shadowkeep they wanted to turn up the RPG elements. Boy, howdy! I don't know what the fuck you guys
1: just said, but it really killed any interest I had in game up again.
0: Uh, I don't know. I think we'll be able to drag you into it. I'll just set up a Uh, GoFundMe. Buy buy (laughs) my destiny for Taylor.
1: You're gonna have to start budgeting my games into the podcast.
0: Oh boy! I think we'll just get Matt to cover it. Speaking of Matt. He's going to be one of the ones playing. Um, I'm hoping that we as a little community are going to jump back into it and come back in a few weeks and talk about it some more. Um, but in the meantime, uh, Will, Taylor, thanks to both you guys for making the time to talk some Destiny today. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, it was great having you for the first time, Will. We'll definitely do this again. Um, this uh, has been a basement cool. side Chats, y'all. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time. Have a good night, guys.
1: Good night. Bye.